Hi, I'm Dr. Mila Brugic, and today I'm joined with Dr. Tim Early, where we're going to be talking about the early side of AMD on the Optometric Insights Show. Okay, Dr. Tim Early, welcome. Thank you for being here. Tim, for those that don't know a little bit about your background, give us a little bit about your background, your practice, um, and, and your passion. Thank you, Mila. So I am in a multidisciplinary practice in a little town called Medina, Ohio, about a half hour south of Cleveland. I've been in practice there for about 24 years now, and uh, I've developed a mad passion for all things AMD, uh, age-related macular degeneration. Um, it began, my journey began about seven, eight years ago um, after my mom was diagnosed, and uh, I've been taking it real deep when it comes to ways to be proactive and preventive with, with that disease in particular. Tell us a little bit about that. I mean, your mom sure. was diagnosed. Tell us the story. Like, what started the passion in AMD for you? You know, I've thought for years that um, it was it was hard to to really manage disease as an optometrist, AMD specifically, when we were basically worrying just strictly about the way that patients looked. You know, looking at fundus photographs or OCT images or what have you. We kept looking at structure, but weren't really looking at the way the macula was functioning. So I got a call from my mom about seven or eight years ago. She lives out in the Poconos in Pennsylvania, and she'd been diagnosed by her local optometrist with, with AMD. And, and quite honestly, she called because she was scared. And she had some good questions. She's like, hey, what can I do um, to be more you know, proactive? And, and I don't want to lose my vision. I'm scared, Tim. What can I do? So it kind of got me thinking a lot about, you know, am I doing all the best things for my patients? You know, my dad always told me years ago, listen, uh, if you do for your patients what you would do for your mom or I, you can't go wrong. So I started to look really seriously into the best ways to be prevented with that disease. So, Tim, so tell us what that first technology was. I mean, because sure. there's, there's technologies that we have where we can assess function before structure. And then there's technology where we now can even monitor patients at a, at a level that we've never been able to before, even when they're at, at home with even some of the later stage or the, the intermediate stage disease. So what are yeah. you using in your office functionally to catch these people? And how is that influencing what you're really doing over time for these patients to treat them? Yeah, that's, a, that's an excellent question. And as I was saying, I, I was, I guess, disenfranchised by just following structure and I was doing acuities, you know, to follow AMD. And, you know, it's well known that by the time we lose vision, acuities, the disease is so far gone, it's hard to, you know, put the toothpaste back in the tube, so to speak. So what we started doing about five years ago now is we started working with dark adaptometry as a way to test the functioning of the macula. Um, and it's not old, I'm sorry, it's not new technology. It's been around for quite some time, but around that time it became, uh, it got to a point where it was available commercially. It's probably the best way to put it. We're able to buy a tabletop uh, dark adaptometer. Uh, we put a small dark room in our practice. I kicked my marketing person out of her office and made a dark room. And we started actually testing patients to see whether or not their maculas not only were structurally sound, but also if they were functioning properly. And we were basically using subjective complaints. Um, it's been well known that patients with a night vision complaint, oftentimes we are taught that they have potentially cataracts, but it's also a very common complaint of folks who have early macular degeneration. So we started to actively screen our patients, um, both with a screening our technicians would do, some questions, a questionnaire, 
asking about smoking history, family history of AMD, um, night vision complaint issues. And folks who had any of those issues at all were screened proactively to see if their macula was functioning well, doing dark adaptation testing. And the nice thing about the test too, Mila, is that it actually provides us a, a quantifiable number called the rod intercept, an RI it's called. And you can actually measure over the course of years whether or not the macula continues to function at a high level. So no different than you know, using IOP to see if your treatment protocol for glaucoma is working, you can use RI as a way to monitor the functioning of the macula over time. So I found that to be very powerful. And uh, it also changed the way we talk to patients about a proactive, a, a preventive approach to keeping their macula healthy from a supplementation standpoint, uh, from a dietary standpoint, um, you know, using protective eyewear, UV protection, blue blocking protection, those kinds of things. So it's it's really kind of changed. We're, we're not being so reactive in our AMD patients now. We're being more proactive with them. So, so you would say, Tim, that you're starting to treat this before we even see it clinically in the traditional sense. Because it's That's really correct. Yeah, and it's it's kind of a combination, Mila. Yeah. We, we do have some folks, of course, that we've known have structural signs for years. We're definitely testing them with dark adaptation testing also, getting their baseline RI. Um, and it kind of stands to reason that folks with more significant structural damage oftentimes show more significant, more damage and, and a higher RI, worse dark adaptation scores. But over time, what we're, what we're finding is that we are really getting to a point in our practice where we're actually pre-screening anyone over the age of 50 or 55 to see whether or not their macula is healthy. You know, I, I tell my, my colleagues, you know, if you think about the way we do a comprehensive eye exam, how many, you know, screening tests do we do for glaucoma? You know, we do IOPs, we do a cup to disc ratio, we do automated fields, but what do we do for AMD, you know, here it is the leading cause of blindness in patients over 60, but how many tests are we doing to screen to see whether or not they have that disease? And the answer is we take a look at the macula, most of us. So having a functional test that we can screen folks with, and the way that the dark adaptation test works is that it has a screening test and a longer extended version for folks. Um, so you can screen pretty quickly, even while the patient's dilating or while they're waiting for the doctor to come in the room, we can do these tests, you know, just, you know, without a, a really a, a messing up patient flow or affecting patient flow. So Tim, it sounds like you have a pretty good protocol for that early patient and detecting them early. And I think that sets a better long-term precedent for outcomes. I mean, it sounds like it because you're just like anything before you see structural changes, something's functionally going to change. And you're, you're trying to catch those people at early phases. And it sounds like you have a good little protocol here to, to help those patients as well. Talk about what you're doing with the intermediate macdegen patient to monitor those patients closer. Yes, that's, a, that's something. It's funny, Mila, because when I look back on my journey through you know, the last several years and getting more comfortable talking about AMD, I actually worked more often with those more high-risk patients early on because we had some tools there that were helpful. Um, so by definition, you know, the intermediate AMD patients are those with drusen that are 125 microns or larger, um, which it's funny because that's something we're like, well, well, how big is that? Just as a clinical pearl, I tell my colleagues, 125 microns is roughly the diameter of one of the two branches of the central retinal vein as it comes into the back of the, the optic nerve there. So what I had found is that I would go back and look at fundus photos of patients that I called early dry for years. 
And lo and behold, lots of them had Druids in way larger than 125 microns. They were actually intermediate dry patients. And we actually measure that with OCT technology. Yes, you can. Yes. So prior to my OCT, this is what I was doing. I was looking at that. And not, not all of our colleagues have an OCT either. So having another cheat that allows them to look and, and, and diagnose intermediate is important because having intermediate AMD allows the technology to be prescribed um, that we've been using for quite some time as well. It's based on preferential hyperacuity perimetry. It's called a 4C home. And what this device does is folks who are at a higher risk to convert from, for example, intermediate dry to wet AMD can self-test at home. And it's basically a really, really sweet, very, very sensitive digitized Amsler grid. It's like an Amsler grid on steroids. It picks up changes in the, the structure and the shape, the topography, so to speak, of the macula with 30 times more specificity or sensitivity than an Amsler grid would without the issues of patient noncompliance and all the other things we deal with with Amsler grid. So this test is phenomenal. And the, the, the reality is that Medicare will pay for this device and monitoring services if patients have it, you know, 26 year better vision in the either testing and they have to have intermediate AMD. So making that diagnosis is critical because we can also with these intermediate folks find very subtle changes, uh, find very early leakage, very early wet disease prior to them losing significant vision. So in fact, before I got on the call this evening, I was actually going through some OCTs. I had two patients alert on their 4C home this morning um, with their testing. And I was going through OCTs to see whether or not there was actually fluid there um, just to make sure that we could you know, make a, a good referral to the retinal specialist. So I'm happy to say one was a non-exudative alert. So this patient had a huge soft drusen that moved or changed shape. And one actually did have fluid there. So they're off to the retinal specialist tomorrow. So, yep. It's great though, that we have the technology to catch it sooner. Yeah. So it sounds like Tim, you have this philosophical approach where you kind of have this spectrum of care that you're providing for the AMD patient. Not yeah. only are you catching early and trying to alter the long-term trajectory of the disease, but you're also taking these individuals that have AMD, that have this intermediate phase, and you're saying, all right, we know now the big risk is if you go wet, this is going to yeah. potentially be blinding, and we want to do everything we possibly can to prevent that. And as you're well aware, the sooner you catch these individuals, the sooner you treat them, the better their chances are of preserving vision. I love that philosophy, Tim. Yeah. You know, Milo, what's interesting too is I feel like this is going to be you know, there's a lot of focus placed on the, there's a lot of innovations in every aspect of optometry right now. There's so many specializations in fields that are just, they're, they're blossoming, whether it's myopia management or dry eye disease, you know, great things. I really feel strongly too, though, that, that the retinal diseases that are OMDs, our retinal specialists don't have time to take care of, we need to own as well. And we are now blessed with, you know, we're recording this the day before, two days before Thanksgiving. And I am very thankful that we have these technologies, that there's companies out there investing in these technologies to allow us as ODs to have these conversations with patients. Because I think we are the eye care professionals that take the time to hold folks' hands through this difficult conversation. And I think that's probably the biggest barrier I see right now in retinal disease discussions is that a lot of our optometry colleagues uh, were basically taught like I was that you can't do anything for this disease. And that is no longer true. And I think the reality is that we have to get to a point where as a profession, we embrace 
that conversation. It's not an easy conversation in the beginning. I didn't do it very well. But uh, as you see the results of a good protocol that is really improving outcomes and, and improving the health of people's maculas, patients' maculas, it becomes, it's energizing. It's no different than having a conversation with a patient with other potentially blinding diseases like diabetic retinopathy or glaucoma. But I think AMD, it, it, it's one where if I lectured, ask our colleagues to raise your hand if AMD excites you and you enjoy you know, treating it and managing it, maybe a hand goes up out of 200. So I wanna have that change. It'd be great to see 150 hands go up just like it does with dry eye disease or myopia management. It's a difficult discussion, I get that. It's a disease, but it can be spun in a way that lets our patients know that, listen, we got your back. We've got a protocol here. We've got technology. Um, we've got experience and we've got industry partners that back this technology that will, you know, we'll catch the slightest change in the, in the back of your eye and make sure you get excellent care and uh, you know, so you can maintain functional vision. Great, Tim. Well, listen, Tim, we really appreciate your expertise on this, uh, on this topic. This is huge. And this is a quickly evolving space as well, yeah. too. We'll certainly keep in touch with you to keep up to speed on what the nuances are with the new technologies as well. There's some cool stuff coming out, Mila. So yeah, if you want to ever have another talk about uh, a couple of, uh, I'll call them pipeline technologies that'll be out within the next year or two. Uh, it's pretty exciting for we, sure. We definitely will, Tim. We, we appreciate you. Thank you for being on. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. Appreciate it. Thank you all for joining us on this episode of the Optometric Insights Show. Hi, friends. This past December, I was asked to participate at the Ophthalmology Innovation Summit. This coming March 1st, the OIS is hosting the Ophthalmic Innovation Summit at SECO. And since I love what they're doing, I asked them if I might have a discount code for my podcast friends. If you use the discount code OIPODCAST, that's the letters O-I, the word podcast, you'll get $100 off of your registration. Again, that's O-I-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, O-I podcast at checkout. Mm-hmm.